I'm Monica Klein, and this is the Monica Klein Show on the Bridge Christian Talk Radio. I'm one of the nation's foremost experts on comprehensive sex education. I'm a graduate of psychology from the University of Texas at Austin, and I'm currently working towards my master's in pastoral counseling. I'm the founder of It Takes a Family, and I'm also a public speaker. I have answers to the tough issues families are facing today. My goal is to encourage parents to reclaim parenthood and in doing so become their children's greatest advocates and educators. I want to thank ItTakesAFamily.org for sponsoring this show today. Oh, happy Saturday, listeners. I am so glad you're here with me today, and it's an amazing sunny day in Central Texas. Uh, So for those of you listening far off throughout the nation on the website, welcome. Um, I'm hoping that we're on Facebook Live. This is the first time that we try to do it here at the radio station. I hope it's working. And if it's not, hey, we go with the flow, right? It's okay. Uh, As long as you can catch the show um, through audio, that's okay with me. So, but today we have a really great show. You guys, you don't have to listen to me the whole time. Although I I know you like it. I know you like it. Uh, My husband's like, okay, I'm so glad she's over there and not at home talking nonstop. But no, he he enjoys it. But we have a very good friend of mine uh, with us today. Her name is Carol Ayala, and she is the founder of Concerned Parents of Texas, and she is also the coordinator of Stand Up for Children Austin, Texas Coalition. She's an amazing woman who... Uh, took some it took a lot of courage for her to uh, step out of the school district when she saw and uh, some, some things going on in the Austin ISD school district that she knew was not right. She knew it was going to harm children and families. Uh, and so she took she just she just had the courage to say absolutely not. She fought it. Um, unfortunately, the school didn't want to change, uh, and so she ended up quitting and founding these organizations to equip parents and to let them know what was really happening. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit with her, to, not even a little bit, we're going to talk to her a lot today about Austin ISD and the graphic sex education that they've adopted into their school and we'll get into some of those details in just a bit. Um, so I'm happy to have her. But I also want to talk a little bit about, okay, what are you guys up to at home? I mean, so much has been going on. I know some of you are concerned about your work and um, maybe finances have been limited. Uh, maybe you just started a business and you've been really concerned about the slowdown with the pandemic and having to shelter at home. I know there's so many things that you've been doing. Maybe you have your kids, you probably do have your kids at home and, and you're finding yourself having to educate at home when which shouldn't be such a big deal, but you know you're not used to doing it. And so it's a huge change. Um, some of you have goals, things that you, you want to accomplish. Um, maybe you're working on a doctorate. I don't know what you're doing, but many times we feel overwhelmed. Am I right? I mean, hey, listen, working full time, um, helping my husband with his business, trying to you know be involved in my church, making decisions, and then I still have to do laundry and cook. (laughs) So I feel very overwhelmed many of the times. But you know, this morning, I was in God's Word. And it was and I'm going to tell you, I started from the beginning, I decided I want to start from Genesis. And so I was reading just the first few verses in chapter two, and it hit me. Uh, Let me read it to you so that you can understand what I'm talking about. So um, By the seventh day, God finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because it because uh, on it, he rested from all the work creating uh, of all the work of creating that he had done. And just that one verse 
it made me realize when God decided that he wanted to create everything that we are aware of, the universe, the earth and everything in it, the birds of the air, the plants, the, the food that we eat. And yes, when he created man and woman, he, you know, he took it day by day. So I started realizing, okay, yes, God is a God of order. God is all powerful. Um, God, and even God decided to rest on the seventh day. And it made me realize that when I'm trying to accomplish my goals, when I'm trying to get my work done, and the list seems to be eternal, and then I realize that I haven't even defrosted some meat or something to make dinner, and I haven't washed the towels, and then I get really upset with myself. It, the truth is, is I get overwhelmed because I'm trying to accomplish everything all at once. I'm trying to tackle everything all at once, and it is overwhelming, isn't it? So as parents, um, and, and as we're teaching our children, this verse is so important and so simple in this realization that God, who is almighty and all-powerful and could create everything in one moment, he decided to break it up into seven days. Now, what that seven days look like, I don't know. Maybe those, maybe it's not a 24-hour day, but still in his word, he showed us how he, you know, he took it in spoonfuls. Um, now, obviously, none of us could create what he created in one day, but even God shows by example that he's a God of order, that we can make a, we can make lists, that we can make, an, an, you know, we can make an order of things, um, that we don't have to accomplish everything all at once, but that we can just do that next thing and that next thing and that next thing. And then he even calls us to rest and gives us permission by his own example to rest on the seventh day. So whatever you're going through right now, I want to encourage you that God is with you that God has shown us by his own example that we can take it step by step. It doesn't have to happen all at once. And I think that that's awesome that he took the time to teach us that by his own example. So, you know, in thinking of that, I realize I want to go back to the fact that many of you are homeschooling right now. Now, it's a version of homeschooling. It's kind of like crisis education, because if you've never homeschooled before and now you're trying to educate your child at home with the online learning, this is really not homeschool, guys. I talked about this on another show. This is completely different. Um, when someone is homeschooling, they have an order of things, or at least they try to. Um, what you're doing is crisis education. It's kind of just by the seat of your pants kind of a thing. And so I want you to be gentle with yourselves. But, you know, on the topic of homeschooling, I want to mention to you something that I read the other day on the New York Post. A Harvard professor, um, this is the title of it, Harvard professor wants to ban homeschooling because it's because it's authoritarian. And in this um, article, she actually says uh, that, let's see, that, that, this authoritarian uh, parenting in homeschool um, exposes kids to white supremacy and misogyny. Uh, and through this whole article, she goes on and on about how uh, child abuse is going to increase, that children are going to be harmed, and that there's no way that a public school would be able to have access to these children who are being harmed. And, and now we can't intervene. Boy, I mean, she just is... Now, now, I really don't think she's worried about 
that parents are actually harming their children. I have a feeling she's more worried that now the public school system can't teach your child values and character uh, in the way that they want to teach. I think what she's really saying, uh, because in the article, she they also mentioned that majority of homeschoolers are Christian. And so honest, it, oh, this is my opinion, because this is a radio show about, you know, opinions. I really think that people... Uh, who realize that many Christians are homeschooling and that these children are thriving. Many of the homeschooling families that I know, the children are thriving. Now, some people have chosen to homeschool because, well, they just believe that they can provide their children with best with the best education. Of the homeschooling families that I know, their children are excelling excelling beyond uh, what my, you know, what what uh, some other kids are doing in public schools. Now, I'm not going to say that you can't thrive in public school, but I, I have not really seen any families who are homeschooling where the children are not learning and excelling and even excelling beyond their peers in public schools. I'm also noticing that it's not just Christian families who are homeschooling. There are many kids that for whatever reason either have a different learning style that's very unique um, or just a personality that for some reason public school just does not work for them. These parents have decided to homeschool and their children are excelling and they're meeting kids who they have things in common with and they're happy. But here we have someone from Harvard who's saying absolutely not. And I think the reason that they're saying that is because now they don't have control of our kids. Uh, And in another show, I want to talk a little bit about that because there are a lot of programs that seem to want to take over our children uh, to start teaching them about, about character and values. And public schools are already doing that. And really, a lot of the literature that I read about some of these programs in the public schools, they always refer to the parent as a partner in education. And I want to make something very clear to you parents who are listening right now. You are not a partner in your child's education. You are the parent. You are the sole authority. You are their leader. Um, You are not a partner in their lives. If if you're a partner in your child's child's life, it's because you're partnering with God not with a government-run school. So really, the school has the privilege of us allowing our children to go to that school, and they are partners in what we, uh, in what a family is doing and how they're teaching their child. But really, values and characters should be taught at home. If you're feeling like, well, you know, I'm Monica, I don't really know what my value, values and character are. Hey, there's a lot of ways that you can figure that out and sit down and, and honestly contact me at ittakesafamily.org, and I'd love to talk to you about it. But the truth is, is that a lot of that character and education and values should be coming from the home. And I'm frankly really tired of hearing about uh, schools who think that they know better. Um, now, I'm not saying that every school is like that. I have a lot of friends who are teachers and they're phenomenal, one of which was uh, called the uh, Teacher of the Year for Kindergarten. Uh, and she is phenomenal, not only in her public school, but also at our church and children's ministry and as my friend. So there are a lot of amazing teachers teachers out there. But when a school system or any system begins to say that children are not safe at home and that they can do a better job and that they're starting to really take the rights away from parents and really starting to say that parents are a um, 
kind of a threat to their own children, then I have a problem with that. And I'm going to have enough courage to say, absolutely not. And I'm going to stand up for all parents in that way. And I want you to do the same thing. And we can all do it in different ways. But we cannot allow a society to take over our children. We cannot allow a system to institutionalize our children. And we're going to talk about that a lot more. Now, what's interesting about this article what I pointed out earlier is how she talks about how parents are dangerous to their own children. That is just, I, you know, we see that in so many things. Anytime there's a program that would like to take over your children, they start talking about uh, fear-based theories. They start to say, oh, there's abuse in the home. Um, parents are neglecting their children. They can't even feed them. They can't teach them. They can't talk to them. They don't know how to talk to them. They neglect their children. It goes on and on and on. And you know, in whatever area we hear that a lot, sex education. Sex education exists because there is a ideology that there are a group of powerful people who believe that parents are ill-equipped to talk to their children about sex. They believe that you're not going to talk to them about it. They believe that you don't know what to say. Um, They believe that uh, some of the things that I learned when I was working alongside Planned Parenthood is that if parents know that their child is questioning sex or their sexuality or any of those kind of intimate topics, that they might abuse the child. They'll become so angry at the child that the child would, would, you know, not be able to get services or get any kind of help. And so Planned Parenthood kind of boasts themselves as being that uh, safe haven for a child to get access to health care and to mental health care and all kinds of things and support. They use all these fear tactics and believing that parents are ill-equipped. And you know what? Even the CDC does that. You know, on the CDC, there's this report that they have about confidentiality in adolescence. And on this report, they said that when they polled uh, teenagers about why they don't access health care, for example, getting STD testing, one of the number one answers was that they don't access health care because they don't want their parents to hear about it or to know about it. Uh, they don't want to use their parents' insurance. And, and even if they didn't use their parents' insurance, insurance, they're just afraid their parents will find out. Now, so the CDC decided to respond to this and they thought, okay, well, children are afraid of their parents. They kind of took it way too far. Of course, kids are nervous about talking to their parents about these kind of things. But it's the it's the role of the parent to talk to them about it anyway. But the CDC took this polling data. Only 7% of the adolescents said this. Okay, 7%. I didn't say 70 or 90 or 98. I said 7% of the adolescents reported this. So now all of a sudden the CDC says, hey, confidentiality. Oh, they used a great word. Everybody likes confidentiality and privacy, right? So now they're waving their arms saying, oh, teenagers need confidentiality because 7% of them said they're afraid of their parents finding out about their sexual activity. So they started this whole program where basically they are helping organizations and clinics and such to be able to to have services for young people and, and for parents never to find out about it. So your minor child can go to a clinic and get testing, get an abortion, get all kinds of services um, for high-risk behavior, sexual behavior, get diagnosed with a disease, get treatment for a disease, and you'll never know about it. And I'll tell you what, as an adult, you know, when we get diagnosed with something that is very scary, we need the support of our family. So if we do have teens that are sexually active and this is what they're going through, I'm telling you right now, they need you, mom and dad. 
even if you're not going to be happy that they became sexually active, they need you. But I'm telling you that they're using your uh, this belief that parents are going to become so angry to basically shut out the parent and to take over your young child and to tell them to go to Planned Parenthood, to the STD clinic, to get an abortion. They're getting, they're getting you out of the picture. So one of the programs that does this is Title X. Title X is for family planning. So even though in the state of Texas, we're in Texas, the age of consent, the age in which you can actually say yes to having sex is the age of 17. But the Title X grant for family planning basically says that a girl is, uh, people, kids as young as 12 can access those services. That is a big issue. So we're going to talk a lot more about sex education. We're going to take a break in just a few seconds. And I'm going to introduce Carol Ayala. And we're going to talk more about this sex education and how it is coming between parents and their children. And how a lot of this sex education here, especially in Austin ISD, is teaching our children uh, a false doctrine. They're teaching them an ideology and values uh, and and really all kinds of behaviors and, and making them think that teen sex is normal and that even having an STD is normal uh, and that they don't need to talk to their parents about it. So we're going to have that conversation after this break. Hi, this is the Monica. This is Monica Klein, and you're listening to the Monica Klein Show. It takes a family as a sponsor of this show. Please consider donating to this organization by going to www.ittakesafamily.org. And I am here with Miss Carol Ayala. Hi, Carol. Hello. Thank you for being here. Now, just for those of you who were trying to uh, come in on Facebook Live, we had some technical difficulties. You know, it happens. But audio is still going on, so no problem. We'll move forward with the show. So I want to... I just want to go ahead and um, ask Carol, you know, Carol, I'm sure that this is not what you expected that you would end up doing with your life to be combating sex education. Uh, it, it, can, tell us a little bit about how this happened. Well, not at all. That's for sure. Um well, I was about in my 20th year of teaching school, um, and I was one of those teachers that I've taught in a lot of different districts because of my husband's job and having to move. And so I really had the opportunity to teach several different grade levels, including music. And uh, my last nine years, um, I actually taught 11 for Austin ISD here in Austin, Texas, but uh, the last nine of that I taught in a bilingual dual language uh, classroom. And I had been home with my kids for a long time, and then I re-entered the workforce, you know, going back to teaching. And basically that I was told that's what I needed to apply for so that um, I could get a job. And so I never saw myself even being a bilingual or dual language teacher either. Uh, But I will tell you that it was those last nine years of my career that really got me to this point. And that's because I started teaching uh, these children, these immigrant children, and, and developing close bonds with their parents. And that enabled me to really get to know them. Yes, it sounds like you really cared for them and became close to them. 
Yeah. Well, I even um, it, it one year I I did the impardonable sin as a teacher, and that was I went to a I said yes to a birthday party. And uh, that started a contagion of birth- birthday parties. <laughs> hey, birthday parties uh, are great. Because <laughs> everyone just started inviting me to their parties and I couldn't turn them down because after all, I had gone to already the first one. Um, and so uh, <laughs> it, it kept on. And so I there are even out there floating, uh, I mean, even in wedding pictures of uh, a couple of my parents with their children. Well, see, this is an example of just, you know, teachers and maybe, maybe, I don't know. (laughs) This is an example of a great teacher. They loved you. They wanted you to be part of their family, their community. Um, But, you know, so obviously you had a great relationship with these families and these children. What happened? What, what changed for you that you could no longer teach? Well, and, and I have to tell you that that the reason I could no longer or could not teach what I was being trained to do was because what my example of becoming close to my students on a personal level, um, there are tons of teachers. That's what we do um, out there um, that that love their students and want the best for them. And and that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Even um, with the sex education, it didn't start out with sex education for my school campus. Um, to to make a long story short, mm-hmm. I will tell you that my uh, Austin ISD decided to bring in uh, a welcoming schools program. That's what it's called by the Human Rights Campaign in 2014. And the Human Rights Campaign is a gay organization. Yes, it's activist. The, it's actually mm-hmm. the largest uh, LGBT uh, political lobby group in the country. And was welcoming schools about sex education, or what did it focus on? Well, that school, that program in particular is for teachers. And so what it does is it, it helps teachers to become LGBT allies. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's to, you know, right now the, uh, a big thing that's been going around in school and in school ideology and training is called growth mindset. Okay, and I'm sure they use that in business and in on all all different areas of of just um, in in just in the marketplace, right? Uh-huh. Growth mindset that you've got to wherever you are right now, you have to be able to change and grow and think bigger. So they presented that to us in that mind, in that way. That this was if you're a person that's wants to grow and learn. Um, then you are part of it. You have a growth mindset. Well, that sounds really positive that you're going to grow and you're going to learn. So what was it that they wanted you to learn that, that, that just didn't sit well with you? It was that we were now going to become a campus in our case at the, my school at Odom Elementary was that we were now going to come alongside the LGBT community and in the name of anti-bullying, we were going to become their allies, that we were not just going to accept um, them as people, but we were going to accept their lifestyle, their behaviors, and we were going to actually become advocates for them. And what would that look like? Because on, on one hand, 
um, you know, regardless of differences, uh, differences in faith and differences in belief, we're, you know, we don't want bullying. We want to be kind to all people. That's right. But what was what what was different about this? And when you say becoming their ally and advocates, what, what does that mean? What did they want you to do? Well, that's very different than what we were already doing. And that is treating all our students the same. They get the same respect, the same value, um, and and giving that no child actually is treated any better than any other child. And that's how you treat people in general. That's and, right. And teachers always have. And we've all, and but this in this case, we were going to highlight the LGBT community, and we were going to come alongside them in particular and give them a greater emphasis. Now, some of the things that I learned about welcoming schools was that they would that that teachers were being taught to share this advocacy for the LGBTQ community and their relationships and their family structures with the children. Is that correct? Yes, we were even at one of our sessions, one of the six session training sessions that we um, had at our school campus was literally we had to be able to explain to our uh, students what homosexuality was and that it was beautiful and that it was it was love and so at that time I'm a pre-k teacher and so I'm we are having to practice um, as a team um, um, on our, our, our grade level teams explaining to a four-year-old what homosexuality is wow that that's a that's so tell me were parents were parents going to be informed about this? Well, that's exactly what I asked one of the trainers. Um, I said, well, you know, are we going to be sending out a letter, you know, to the parents informing them of of the changes that we're making on our campus? And they said, no, they hadn't even thought about it. Right. So what we're seeing here, Carol, is what's interesting is we do want to respect all people. But every family in this nation has the freedom to teach their children their family values. Their value is family structure, their faith as well. And families do teach, I believe, as well to to respect others. Maybe not all families, but I would say when we're talking to a Christian, like our Christian listeners, they know that they want to respect all people. Yes. And we accept by by what we're being taught in the Bible as well that, okay, there's going to be people that are different from us, but God tells us to love one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if we were to consider someone our enemy, we are to love them. Um, but this is this is a whole other level because they're not asking you to just respect or or show kindness to one another, but to actually change a child's mindset and value system to the mindset and value system of the human rights campaign. That's right. I mean, we had exercises where we had to share. They even wanted us to share personal stories uh, with in front of the whole faculty about uh, ourselves as growing up as children and mm-hmm. some of the uh, the ways that maybe families had um, had treated maybe LGBT people or issues or lifestyles mm-hmm. and they wanted us to share, you know, oh, my parents, you know, they, they taught me to stay away from gay people or they, mm-hmm. this is what they said about it. You know, they, they brought that out in some mm-hmm. of their trainings. 
Language is so important because I think what I'm hearing from you, Carol, right now is this us against them kind of a thing. It's like, let me show you how bad these families are for not accepting uh, and not just accepting, but being allies and adopting these values. Um, and so what what I have found and I and actually, Carol, I think we were talking to the same parents a story, I think you may have even shared it with me, the story of a family, uh, a Spanish-speaking family, actually in the Austin area, where their children came home and said, hey, mom and dad, uh, do you know that we worship a God of hate? And it had to do with the LGBTQ, um, basically, ideology that he was learning at his school, that Christians worship a God of hate because the Christian God does not accept homosexuality as God's creation. Uh, well, we've had uh, I've had a lot of parents share with me similar stories just like that, just just like that. That oh no, that's bigoted. Uh, we don't talk about uh, you know what it has to do if you happen to believe that that is not an acceptable lifestyle in your religion. That's hateful and that's bigoted, and we mm-hmm. don't talk about that. So what we're finding here, um, and I've heard some teenagers say this as well, is that. When when a school brings these programs, which it's going to be through anti-bullying programs, they don't have to tell you that they're adopting an anti-bullying program. So you have to ask the school yourself and you need to find out what exactly are you teaching in anti-bullying. Um, also, the sex education, all of that is going to be teaching LGBTQ, transgender movement, ideology, in addition to sexual freedom and the normalization of teen sex as well as the normalization of STDs. Now, you might be thinking, why do people want to normalize STDs? Well, when comprehensive sex education comes into your school, they're teaching your children that solely based on the fact that you're going through puberty and you have some natural desires that you should, the expectation is that you should become sexually active. Inevitably, that means that you're going to put yourself at risk of getting a disease. And so now they don't want you to feel bad about getting those diseases because they know you're going to get a a disease. So they want to normalize that as well. Now, why? I I can't even fathom why, (laughs) why they would want to do this. Um, But you can simply read the curriculum and a lot of the social media posts that are al- that that align with this, that they are normalizing that. Um, now, why would they say STDs are normal? Well, it's interesting. Again, language. The CDC reports that uh, the sexually active population between uh, the ages of 15 to 24 make up 27 percent of the sexually active population in our country. Yet they make up over 50 percent of new STD infections every year. The CDC calls this an epidemic, an epidemic that they don't know how to control. Gonorrhea, for example, what used to have three medications to treat it now only has one medication to treat it. And so because it's at epidemic proportions, um, the comprehensive sex education doesn't want to change the way they teach about sex and, and encouraging teenagers to become sexually active at a young age. Instead, they say, oh, it's not really an epidemic as much as it is normal. Get used to it. This is the new normal. You just have to get tested and you have to get treated. What kind of life is that? To me, Carol, that sounds like really lowering the bar. <laughs> um, I mean, so here we're talking about two different things. We're talking about this ideology of accepting a, a whole other set of values that go against a lot of a lot of families in the in the communities. So we are seeing that prayer and the Bible was all removed from public schools um, in the seventies. 
starting in the 70s. And now we're seeing that a whole new set of values is being introduced into the school. And we're all supposed to accept that, um, which means it goes contrary to Christian beliefs, but not just Christian beliefs, but also families that whether they have a faith or not, Carol, I mean, aren't there other families aside from Christians who don't agree with this? Oh, lots, lots. Actually, you'd have to say the majority of the population because you're talking about Muslims. You're talking about Buddhists. You're ta- and uh, so if you're talking about people that have no faith, they're a very small majority of the population. Uh, when you look at look at the numbers and you look at just in general, talk to the people that you know um, and talk about lowering the bar. Uh, so you lower the bar to the youngest uh, students who happen to be at this time in Austin ISD four years old. So you fill the, their libraries with materials and books that you're supposed to read to the children to help them get used to the idea of this community and these people and these families, right? And you, they know you have to start young. But yet you, we cannot have Christian books in our public libraries at our school. Well, there's, I'm sure there are a few uh, but that's a very, um, for instance, you know, the librarian every year gets to order new books. But in, in Austin ISD, they're pretty, a, a lot of times they're told what to order. Not like some districts where the librarian can totally pick what they want to put in their library. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, in Austin ISD, they said, here, here's, this was a gift that came from the Welcoming Schools program and said, these are the books you need to read to your children. That is such a great point, Carol, is um, whether it's welcoming schools or sex education, a lot of these programs have created products, whether it's books, evaluations, curricula, and they've aligned it with education teaks, you know, the Texas Education Knowledge and Skills. They've aligned it with code and they offer it for free to the schools. And so then the schools think, well, great, this is a free resource. Look, it's a package deal. Yeah, teachers Look. love free. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but and I think that the school districts do know on some level what they're doing, and I think others are are, are maybe a, a bit naive. But when we come back from our short break, we're going to talk more about specifically. Austin ISD and the sex education that they adopted, and what efforts that Carol is um, implementing with her coalition on how to combat this and prepare parents. So make sure you come back, grab that cup of coffee and be right back. Welcome back. This is Monica Klein on the Monica Klein Show, and I'm here with Miss Carol Ayala, Mrs. Carol Ayala. Yes, you know, I make sure that everybody knows you got an awesome husband. <laughs> Thirty-two years Woo-hoo! and counting. That's wonderful. Um, and we are talking. Um, just a reminder for any of you who are just now listening into the show. Carol Ayala is the founder of Concerned Parents of Texas, an organization that she created when she uh, was faced with some ideology, very harmful ideology that was being taught to the teachers, and they were expected to teach that to young children as young as in preschool. Uh, And she had the courage to stand up for her values and for children 
and withdraw from that and created this organization called Support uh, Concerned Parents of Texas. And she also is the coordinator of a coalition called Stand Up for Children ATX. And that coalition was created because Austin ISD in October of 2019 passed a very controversial graphic sex education curriculum uh, that actually is a hodgepodge, a cut, literally a cut and paste of various curriculum from all over the nation, including Canada. So uh, when we talk about curriculum and quality of curriculum, we want it to be evidence-based. We want it to have some research to back it up. Uh, this was literally a cut and paste. Uh, so I, I can't really, one, the ideology that it teaches is very harmful for the children, but not only that, it's it was a very messy cut and paste curriculum. So um, Stand Up for Children then was created uh, to combat this and to educate parents in the community about the harms of this sex education. Many people still don't know what the sex education is about. And so we have Carol here to tell us more about that. Carol, can you tell us where you're at with this? Because I know that part of the coalition, your goal was, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, one of the goals was to create a not only an awareness and educate parents about this curriculum that they didn't know a whole lot about, but also to... Um, do a sit-out when the curriculum was going to be implemented in May. Now, because of COVID-19, the children are all home. And so it, in a very interesting and positive, uh, you know, manner, we, we avoided this sex education because there were no kids at school to teach it, <laughs> well, <laughs> to, I, for them to teach it to. So tell us where you're at with all of this. Well, first of all, I want to say, yes, we are we are praising God. We have over 80,000 students in the Austin ISD who are who are participating in our sex ed sit out without even knowing it because they are not being indoctrinated that good way of looking at it (laughs) that day uh, exactly like we had planned for. And that could only be a God thing, I'd have to say. Um, Well, we we began to see as concerned parents that once this curriculum was uh, passed and voted uh, through that we need as the awareness was growing, we needed to align ourselves with other organizations mm-hmm. and other people, influential leaders in the in the community, um, so that we could get out the awareness. Who to are those all organizations? Families. Who who aligned with you? Well, we have um, Texas Values, which is a policy foundation that is well known across our state, uh, headed by Jonathan Signs and his team. Um, and so they advise us and they work on the on a policy level. And so they were extremely because, hey, listen, I'm, I'm a, you know, a pre-K teacher here, you know, do, doing the best that I can. And 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 like you said, this is not something that I plan to do with my life. But, you know, God had other other plans and he brought he has brought alongside people. And I like to compare it to the body of Christ, you know, that we're all doing what God is commissioned and equipped us to do and it's it's a powerful thing now texas values brought a lot of value (laughs) (laughs) to the coalition as well because they were able to tap into their followers Mm -hmm. to really spread the word Uh, they were also able to get us or get the coalition into some churches uh, so that they could um, educate the pastors and get that information to pastors and they have they held town hall meetings and they got the press involved so that did it looks like that really helped a lot along with their policy expertise. Yes, and they're just one of the organizations. We have another uh, pastor's organization that is a 
coalition or an, an association of Hispanic uh, pastors in the Austin area called CC. And then we are also, we have been joined by uh, Pastor David Welch's organization called uh, the U.S. Pastor Council. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, CC, uh, that is, uh, I believe, Pastor Hanoi Avila is the um, the lead, I guess, of, of CC this, for the Spanish-speaking yes. churches. Mm-hmm. And he has been such an advocate uh, has gotten so involved in policy as well and in educating parents and and bringing more pastors together. So he's done a great job. And then the U.S. Pastors Council, also a phenomenal organization with Pastor David Welch. So this is a great. T- tell us, where are you guys at? Or, or, or before I say that, are there any or other organizations that are part of your coalition that you uh, want to mention? So Well, so far, this is the four of us, you know, okay. and with Concerned Parents, and, and we had planned, you know, coming up, we were doing a town hall uh, meeting. Actually, we had planned to do town hall meetings all over the Austin area. But due to the virus, we've had to, we're having to change and tweak. And, and, and that's great. We have, uh, what we found is because it's going to be virtual, we're able to reach a whole lot more people. And we were going to do it on May the 19th, which was our original plan to have our sex ed set out. But we are going to be doing a virtual town hall meeting of sorts on May the 19th. Wonderful. Yes. So we haven't worked out the details yet, but in the next couple of weeks, we will. Where can people learn more about that virtual town hall meeting? Well, on on two websites, we do have a standupforchildren-atx.com web, website as well as a Facebook page. Uh, they can learn it on uh, learn about it actually on um, the Texas Values um, website, and they also have a Facebook page, including our Concerned Parents of Texas dot com uh, page uh, website and a Facebook page. Wonderful. And and I'm excited about that. And I'll make sure that we post all that information on a Texas Families Facebook page as well as our website. And I believe that I'll be helping a little bit with that panel as well. And so you're going to have a panelist of people. Tell us what that town hall meeting is going to look like. Well, we're we're discussing the the fine details, but it's basic basically going to be well, like yourself, you mentioned, Monica, you will be there t- uh, speaking to um, the big picture, right, of what sex education is, or in particular, comprehensive sex education that was passed by the board and what that means and what that looks like for our district here in Austin. But not just for Austin ISD, it will be able to, because of the virtual town hall meeting, we'll be able to uh, share share things that are in, are beneficial to all districts in the state of Texas, mm-hmm. including what the state requires under the Texas Code um, to be taught to our children mm-hmm. and, and how um, the comprehensive sex education violates that. That is such an important point is that the state of Texas has a Texas education code that speaks specifically to sex education in our state. Number one, Carol, correct me if I'm wrong, sex education in public schools in Texas are is not mandatory. We don't actually have to have sex education in our public schools if we don't want to. Is that correct? Uh, absolutely. And parents don't, don't know that. Mm-hmm. They think that it has to be done. And I do want to put in there that, yes, parents do want their children to learn Mm-hmm. Um, about certain aspects about about sexuality, uh, what they're not aware of is exactly the details that are being taught to their children. Mm-hmm. 
And so they think I've, I've spoken to even people that are running for office that they, they talked they talk like they know what's in it. But when we continue to have that conversation, they are very surprised as to what the what the different details and objectives are of the education uh, that is included in human sexuality. And so that that is what is very uh, the most disturbing thing about uh, sex education. And that's what we want to share with with families. Now, parents, you're I'm assuming, Carol, that when you have the town hall meeting, y'all, you all will share a little bit about what that looks like. Yes. And we will share exactly. We will give the details of what's included, what the objectives are of the new and improved uh, comprehensive as, uh, sex education uh, push in, in schools today. And what that looks like. It's not what parents are thinking that it, that it, that they learned in school or that they want their kids to learn in school, like to know what STDs are and, and how to avoid them and what it does to, to your body and mm-hmm. why they're harmful. It's much bigger than that. Yes, it is. And so I, I really encourage all the listeners to look up these different websites, whether it's um, it takes a family.org, Concerned Parents of Texas, Stand Up for Children ATX.com, Texas Values, to find out about this town hall meeting. Um, you know, if you want to quickly go to my web, my Facebook page, It Takes a Family Inc., I'll, you know, not at this moment, but I will put that information up there as soon as it is scheduled and, and I have the right details. I'll make sure that you guys have that. And, you know, in, in just the other day, um, one of the previous episodes of, of our show here, I talked, I talked about child sexual abuse. And I mentioned, listen, I know that it is hard to talk about these issues. It's hard to hear things that are so graphic and uncomfortable. But this is important. It's important that you know what is being taught to the children so that you can act it's also important, even though we're talking earlier about uh, welcoming schools, uh, that curriculum from Human Rights Campaign and about LGBTQ and the transgender mu- movement, it is so important that you, the parent, understand the culture. You don't have to be an ally to the culture. You don't have to be an activist for the culture. But you do need to know about the culture so that you know how to respond to the culture and so that you can be the leader in your home giving your children the correct language and information on how to deal with all these new issues, uh, with all these issues that are coming around. Um, Our children really are looking to us to lead the conversation. And many times we might scoff and say, I don't want to talk about that or whatever it may be. And a lot of times it's because we lack education. We don't know what to say about it, which is why it takes a family. Uh, It exists. It's why Carol has concerned parents of Texas, because we want you all to get that education in a safe place to learn about it and to help you with the language that you can use in your own household that is still uh, respectful to all people. But here's the truth about comprehensive sex education. Um, Carol, I know that a lot of people say we need comprehensive sex education because it must be inclusive of all these new, you know, identities and, you know, orientations and such. But here's the truth is that children, all children, regardless of what they're going through, regardless of their family values, regardless of how they identify, should not be sexualized. Children should not be sexualized. I think we can all agree on that. Children deserve to be protected. 
children deserve to to maintain their innocence. Now, the wor- we live in the world, so we're going to be exposed to all kinds of things, right? But we do not need to, as a society, reg- regardless of what how the family identifies with orientation or such, children, there should be a standard that children deserve to be protected and they deserve to not be sexualized by any organization or institution. The children are not for that. Um, Now, puberty and all of that, a lot of times comprehensive sex educators use that against us saying, hey, they're going through puberty. They have these desires. You know, it's totally normal. Yes, puberty is normal. God created us to go through those things. Uh, The changes in our bodies, the desires that we have, the thoughts that we have, the attractions that we ended up having, you know, wanting, you know, wanting to date and such, all those things are normal. It does not mean that we then say, go for it, be sexually active and put yourself in risky situations. Because the truth is, is that we know that sex is not just about the body. It is about the mind. It is about, and we can have another radio show where we talk more about the brain research when it comes to that. Um, So we want to really be able to help our children in a holistic way, meaning we want a balanced health for them. It's not just their body, but it's also their mind and their emotions and their spirit. Comprehensive sex education doesn't worry about all of that. All they're worried about is sexual activity and disease, using contraception, getting tested, getting an abortion, and starting all over again. But not just that. Now it's also teaching our children that they should question their orientation and that they should question their identity, that maybe they're really not the the sex that they were, that they are, you know, their biological sex and that they should question that. Um, and so, Carol, tell, tell us more about the next steps in addition to the town hall, or, or are there other things that you want to make sure that, that, that our listeners hear today? Well, we know that parents at this time are very overwhelmed with trying to get some kind of schooling into their children right now. And so we, and, and as a former teacher, I, I get that. Uh, my kids were not always the most willing to do work, uh, even though their mother was a teacher, right? So um, I want to tell everyone out there that as a parent and a community member that we at Concerned Parents and now um, Stand Up for Children, we are standing in the gap for you. We are staying informed. We are moving forward to help families so that when you are back to whatever the new normal is, um, that, that you will still know that you um, can get the information you need so that you can make decisions for your children. Uh, because uh, we're, we're, we're looking at the next legislative session coming in and being helpful with that, where it has to do with uh, uh, education and, and bills and, and the, even the Student Health Advisory Council um, that I know Monica has, has mentioned before in the past. And in addition, just uh, do, doing, staying abreast of everything that is, is, is new and current and giving you the most information that we can that is, that is accurate for, for you to make your decisions with. Thank you, Carol. And just like I said, I'm going to promise you that as soon as those details about the town hall meeting are available, I'm going to post that on my Facebook page, as as well as the links to all the organizations involved in this town hall meeting and this coalition. 
I want to thank you for being um, here on the Monica Klein Show and listening in again. And I just want to also say that I want to thank ItTakesAFamily.org for sponsoring the show. It Takes a Family exists to educate and equip parents to reclaim parenthood and be the leading voice in their children's lives regarding sex, marriage, identity, and healthy relationships. I can't wait to see you again, hear from you on next Saturday. Take care.